0: Broadcasting live from a spooky basement, this is The Monstrous Feminine, a podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya, and I'm joined by my vengeful ghost, Mila, Louisa, and Zeba. And this month, we are talking about Bollywood horror, but before we get into it, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast.
1: Our first Bollywood film of the month is the 1992 Hindi Telugu bilingual supernatural horror rock. Or Rachi. Written and directed by Ram Gopal Varma. In this film, the Sharma family move into a house with dark energy, evidenced by the fact that the young boy's dead cat comes back to life after being run over on the premises. The Sharma daughter, Minnie, soon becomes possessed after a picnic with her boyfriend Deepak. Things escalate when Minnie murders her best friend Lakshmi by breaking her neck. After the family's elderly next door neighbor tells the mother of the previous murders in the house, the mother suspects Minnie is possessed by an evil spirit. Unconvinced, the father submits Minnie to a series of psychiatric evaluations. Push me.
2: I thought Zaba might be able to tell us some general Bollywood horror tropes or just like general Bollywood movie tropes that also
1: work in just horror movies. For reference, I should say that I have seen a lot of Bollywood movies in my day, but I would not consider myself like a, a Bollywood expert. You know what I mean? Like some people are really into them. Most of my knowledge comes from, my mom is a film professor, but when I asked her about this particular topic, and she studies Indian film, but not only Indian film, and she's Indian, I should also preface by saying, my mom is from India. And so that's why I watch all the Bollywood movies. But when I asked her about horror films in Bollywood, she goes, I've only ever seen one horror movie in my life and it's The Blair Witch Project. So- That's a great Bollywood film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she wasn't super helpful in like the specificity department, but I did like notice a ton of um, tropes that are, if not typical to Bollywood movies, are typical to Indian mythology that showed up a lot, especially related to like women and like women's body. Very, very much giving monstrous feminine vibes. Um, So I won't bring up any that have to do with like films that we're going to talk about because they're like very specific, but generally there's, you know, lots of tropes of women being possessed and that having to do with exactly what Barbara Creed says, like women getting to do things that they and behaviors that they wouldn't typically be able to display. So anger, violence, rage, um, Confidence, even a little bit. Like, it's an excuse for women to act out. So basically, Bollywood became like an international thing in the 70s because it was like this big, like, post colonial movement about like representation and we're like Indians are going to represent India. There was like the deregulation of media with the end of the Raj. And so Bollywood movies took off in a way that like other international movies. I guess didn't like they're big in the middle East. They're big places outside of India and places where people don't speak Hindi or Tamil or any of these things. But this movie in particular is super interesting because it was dubbed over in Hindi and it was originally in Telugu. And a lot of Indian movies are actually like South Indian languages and there's a whole other like what they call like Tollywood industry that is separate from mainstream movies, which are always in Hindi, always, because it's considered like the most accessible or it'll have this sort of like English, Hindi, like yeah hybrid there was sort English of language going on. Yeah. Cause there are some words that just don't exist in Hindi. So you like, or it's like Spanglish, like you go in and out of it, but that was a very active effort to reach a mainstream Indian audience. And then subtitles became a big thing. Dubs became a big thing. So the fact that this movie was originally not in Hindi and then was dubbed over is a big deal. Cause that's like very intentionally trying to bring it to a mainstream Indian audience and a horror movie into a mainstream Indian audience. So like that was brand, brand, brand new, especially with this film, because like in the nineties, the world was watching horror movies, but like there weren't a lot coming out of India for Indians. And this would have been like making, I mean, Telugu is not a niche language, but it it made it like more accessible to like the rest of India, North Indians in particular. It makes sense to me why there's a big push. I also loved that this movie was so of the moment. Like 90s Bollywood is so funny to me because there are all these like Western references to things. Yeah, like he was wearing a New Kids on the Block shirt. It's this really big push to make India look like it's connected with the rest of the world. And it was. so. But it, it, I don't think that like people's perception of it was that there, there was this sort of like globalist modernity going on in India in the 90s. So like a lot of the representations of it are like, I mean, Bollywood is known for being camp, melodramatic, weird special effects over the top sort of like colors and music and like slapstick comedy and things like that. And so I just find Bollywood horror movies to be just like this really fascinating thing because it is very intentionally trying to be what horror movies already were. Trying to find a place for it in Bollywood. And I think they did it. Like once we get to the newer movies, I'm like this feels very authentically Indian and also still follows the like formula of a horror movie. You know, of like a haunted house or a possessed person or like a curse. But at the same time, the way that Indians incorporate mythology and superstition into their everyday lives is like, normal. Like in horror movies in the West, it's like a bit forced, I think, and like the characters don't necessarily find that weird witch in the
2: woods to explain shit.
1: Yeah. And you spend half the movie trying to convince the characters that something supernatural is even going on. Whereas like in my experience, in my family, like it's not so outlandish to suggest that something supernatural is going on. But I think it just took a couple years for Bollywood horror movies to stop being so formulaic and stop trying to be like American horror movies or Italian horror movies or things like that. And to like find their niche about where these things have like a very natural Intersection. Yeah. Intersection. Thank you, Professor
2: Zeba. That was very insightful. The Monsters Feminine is on Apple Podcasts, so please go leave us a five-star review. And if you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout-out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is Perry Pumpkin 92 from the US, and this is from the 18th of January last year, and they said, I really enjoy this podcast. The hosts offer fresh perspectives to the films being discussed and dive into the psychological aspect slash real-world application of the storylines. I feel like this pod is still working towards finding their groove or format formula. However, that is not a negative for me. The chemistry between the hosts is great and their voices are easy to listen to. Looking forward to the growth of this pod. Thank you. And this was a year ago? This was a year ago. So we were still relatively new. But to be fair... That's a comment that's probably still applicable now because we were students who had all the time in the world when we started this and we are no longer students who have all this time in the world. I'm flattered with your patience and I'm happy that you still enjoy it. What do you think, Perry Pumpkin, do you think we have grown since you wrote this January
1: last year? are they going to write us back? I'd love a
2: letter. Friendly reminder that we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please support us. Any contribution helps. Thank you. I want to start with what you said in the um, the catch-up, Zaba, about the monstrous feminine and the possession thing and how it relates to creed because creed says when she's discussing the exorcist that um possession gives women in horror films an excuse to act out taboos which i thought was super interesting because in this film it's kind of like normal the
3: taboo is murder
2: well okay hang on hang on i thought it was interesting because It's, like, it goes from, like, normal adolescence. Like, she's still a very, like, respectful and sweet daughter, I think. But she is kind of, like, skipping school and, like, dating a boy. It's kind of, like, it seems, like, very much, like, rebelling in, like, small ways. Like, skipping breakfast and stuff. But, like, absolutely normal ways. But then, like, right in the middle of that, she gets, bam, possessed. Or, like, before that, she's having visions, too. And it's almost, like, a little bit, like, aligning, like, the horror of the taboo of, like, her kind of... Gaining more independence as a young woman with, like, the possession that she's about to face, which then obviously lets her become proper evil. Not that women being independent is evil, but that's the point I'm trying to make, is that it's, like, grouped together
1: somewhat or aligned. Don't backtrack. We know what you meant. (laughs) So, what I did not understand is why she was killing the people she was killing. Like, why kill your best friend or why go after your father? Like, why are you going after the, like, the people that you love most?
3: I think they were just there. I think they were simply
1: <laughs> around. Caught in the crossfire. They cross were closest fire. to her. That
3: didn't seem to be a motive.
1: I didn't know if it was some, like, like uh, in Metamorphosis, like some, like, deep-seated subconscious you actually wanted to kill them the whole no, time thing that comes out. I don't out. get
0: that here. You know that was in Thelma too because she accidentally, well, she kind of purposely killed her daddy.
2: I didn't like daddy there. Did not like daddy there. The dad in this movie was so sweet. I had a note like the daughter father bond in this movie was really really sweet. Like
1: they were just so trusty. Trying to boost on said so it, it would like it would like sp- recognition. Well, he was a bad dad who became a good dad. But I think that scene of like him being like, you don't have to like make up excuses. Like you can go where you where you want. I trust you. And then. She gets possessed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because my thought was like, damn, you should have told him the truth because when that motorcycle tire punctured and you're out in the middle of nowhere, I'm like, this is why you tell people where you are. It's just a safety thing. And like, it kind of made it a little bit devastating to me because I'm like, I know he had to work through something to like have enough trust to like let her go out whenever and come back whenever. And then when she turned on him and like his, his reaction to that, like his face after she strangled him, like he was so shooken do you guys think that her going out after her trusting father let her out
2: or whatever or was like, fine, don't lie about it, it's cool, um, and her getting possessed, does that like say anything about like, should the father be so trusting or is it just coincidence or is it just like perverting
1: his trust in her of like, oh man, like, do you know what I mean? It almost made me want to behave myself. Like it made me want to tell everybody the
0: truth. <laughs> like those fables where they say like something really bad happens to you if you do this one thing when you're a kid. Like- Hansel and Gretel, don't talk to strangers because if you do, a witch is going to cook you and eat you. Like, that's extreme consequence. But it gets the job done.
3: I don't know what she's being punished for. I, I think it's more like the blame is placed more on the evil woman ghost. Right, yeah. That she's just like this sort of unhinged evil spirit.
2: I think this film, potentially compared to maybe others that we'll discuss, this was just like evil woman for the sake of being evil do you know what I mean well we're all listening to like this or reading the English subtitles so perhaps it's not the most word-for-word translation but when the elderly neighbor is explaining like what happened in that house originally she says something like that's kind of victim blaming like she describes how this young woman like she doesn't even say murdered. I think she just says like disappeared in the house one day and it's like you mean killed by her boyfriend you mean killed by her boyfriend And then it says, like, the man was murdered in a really mysterious way. And then she says that it must be the murdered lady's evil soul. And I quote, that was in the subtitles, that possessed Minnie. And I was like, okay. I feel like we're not really giving her, like, the ghost that is any kind of benefit of the doubt here. She was murdered. Like, I'd be kind of pissed, too, like... And I do think there's a lot in lore across any culture, which is like the vengeful female ghost who like has something tragic happens or dies in like some sort of tragic way and then just kills anyone indiscriminately.
0: I feel like they usually kill like specific people. Like in I Spit on Your Grave, those series, like she specifically like kills rapey type dudes. It's not like just any old person.
2: I'm thinking of like women in black or something like just anyone who crosses your path, you're going to get killed.
0: But that was like specific to that house though. Well, so is this.
2: But she's just possessed someone to then go off the house. Do you know what I mean? But she's primarily starting with
1: anyone who comes in her path. I interpret it as because she was a mistress, right? That was like her moral failing. Like maybe in the grandmother's eyes, she was already like bad for doing that. And then like to me, it seemed like, it was bad women corrupting somebody good, like Minnie or somebody, you know, she's pre- She's a pretty good kid. I thought it was like sort of implying that like bad women can corrupt good women. It made sense to me that she killed her friend first because it was at a wedding. And then I mean, before I knew she was possessed, when I was thinking back on it, I was like, this has something to do with wanting to break apart happy families, happy marriages from this perspective of like a ghost who's like a perpetual side chick. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, imagine
2: dying a side chick. I'm so glad I didn't die when I was a side chick. That would have been terrible.
1: Like, purgatory. I imagine she would want to, like, break up happy couples or happy families. Like, Minnie's family seemed pretty happy. I don't know. You're really um filling in some blanks
2: for me because... Not blanks because obviously not every film's gonna fit this like one theory. but when I was thinking of the possession going like and allowing women to express taboos, one of the huge things that Greed talks about at least with The Exorcist is like, oh the sexual taboo, like how possession lets you be super sexual. And I was like, that's actually really missing and not that all horrors are gonna follow the same one niche formulaic expression of possession. It just was like something that seemed quite absent. They didn't take it up and like do anything with that. Like she was just very violent, but there was nothing like sexual about the way she spoke. Like she didn't even really speak when she was possessed. It was more like staring.
1: Well, I will say that like Bollywood movies pre a certain era will like talk around sex, but never like show it or, or address it directly. Like the conversation she was having with her dad, where it was like, be careful who you make friends with, like who's a good friend and things like that. It's, it's just like weird innuendo because people just didn't address it so directly as Well, that's kind of
2: what I figured was happening. And then, like, but you kind of saying that potentially that woman was a little bit disgraced and that's the ghost. And if that woman's possessing her, that's like, if she was like a mistress and she possesses her, then that's kind of the implicit kind of sexual, like, charge, I guess, that's kind of in a subtext-y way.
1: Can we talk about the POV of the camera? Yeah, that was chaotic.
3: It reminded (laughs) me a little bit of Black Christmas. I was going to say! POV,
1: voyeuristic. At one point... It was, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, oh, I'm whoa, making whoa, connections. Whoa, whoa. At certain points, it was almost certainly the grandmother spying and like whispering and like chanting over them and protecting them from the window. But then the, the part in the woods where it was like running through the woods and putting something in the road to make the tire burst. That's not the grandmother, unless it is. <laughs> that would be super chaotic. But like the POV changed. It wasn't because always it was the, the same. It was the cat. Oh, shit. So I think it did change, and it was meant to mislead you. Okay, that makes sense that it was the cat at certain points. The cat thing really fucked me up. A lot of critics made an alignment between A, The Exorcist, and B, Pet Cemetery.
2: I think Pet Cemetery came out a year before this one did, so it was, like, potentially alluding to that.
3: You definitely got some of the Hollywood influence mixed in with the, like, more Bollywood filmmaking.
1: Yeah. I would be so scared if I was that mother. Like, I know it can be another cat, I guess I would rationalize it and be like, that's just that cat's brother. I'm surprised she went straight to that's a zombie cat. I think she was already freaked out about like the bad omen thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I want to talk about her intuition, actually, because I feel like in this film, it's very much like women's intuition pit against like men's reaction to something or men's beliefs, as in like their approaches, which aren't necessarily gendered. And I think in different contexts you could switch and I'll explain that. But like, Basically, the mom is, like, instantly, like, she's like, this is supernatural, right? Like, there's something happening. And the father is like, no, 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 she's mentally ill. And he goes a very, like, medical route and what I mean by this could switch is I think sometimes in maybe a different genre or different, like, whatever, in different films, like, it will be the woman who's trying to convince them that they're actually mentally ill and the men who deny it. Like, I think mental illness could be, like, considered a kind of thing that people don't believe in general. But in this context, it's, like, very much medical approach and mental illness is, like, the masculine one and the supernatural is, like, the feminine one. Like, that's what we're believing here. Or how it's been divvied up. The doctor... The is pretty tolerant, to be fair, and he's, like, kind, but he does say, like... Oh, like, let her, you know, go to this witch doctor. We'll give her some satisfaction, which is kind of condescending. So it's kind of like, let the woman kind of indulge these whims and
1: then we'll get to the serious stuff. That was the tone. The women are usually right in these movies, like the women who possess some sort of intuition or even like that they lean more towards belief in the supernatural rather than science or like a mental health explanation. That feels like more the general consensus of like, people like I don't know of society like like a lot of like a lot of cultures are that way where they're like prey on it this is not a mental illness it almost feels like the reversal of what we've seen like for some reason I was thinking of Suspiria because they talked to the psychologist in that one too and there's a sort of like supernatural versus mental health thing going on and I, I even the way that the site like the psychologist in this one was interviewing her like when he was trying to figure out if she killed Lakshmi or not it was like what's your name where do you go to school how are you doing in school did you kill your friend like it was it was like and then without flinching she's like she's like how did you know and that is when i was like is she possessed she seems like very in her wits right now and that is what caused her father to be like is it safe for us to be in the house with her if she's schizophrenic. Like if this is her diagnosis, could she be a killer because of this? He wasn't even doubting that she did it. The second she said, like, how did you know? I think he put two and two together, but not really why it was happening. And like, there were moments in her possession that she, it could have been a gray area. Like I couldn't tell if she, if she was her or not because she knew about herself. It was almost like mommy, not mommy dearest. Oh my goodness. Good night, mommy. When they were doing the question game with her and she like seemed to, she knew who she was. So I was like, well, this has to be her because she knows all these details and she was having visions ahead of time. So I'm like, how much of this is complete, total possession where she, is, aware of what's, is unaware of what's going on versus how much does she remember and is aware after she kills people. Like, does she remember killing people? Because in the end, when she's split in two, it seems like she's sort of like trapped in the body and witnessing the events that are going on, but not in control of the body. But then it's, there are certain points where it seems like she thinks she dreamt it or it's all a blur and she can't like piece together. But part of me, I maybe it's not her in the body then, but it seems like she remembers killing people and is like, when she's getting interrogated by the police, like she doesn't answer any of his questions. She like freaks out and runs away. And yeah, that could be because her friend is dead, but is it also because she remembers and feels guilty? Is she trying to like cover something up? It was all very like in that weird gray area between culpability of like, how much does she know? How much does she remember?
3: I don't know if it's meant to be like intentionally ambiguous so that you're like, which is the real her? When is she possessed? Or whether it's just like the way it unfolded, like it didn't piece together in the end.
1: The only time we know no is when her eyes are that color and she's like looking into your soul. That's true.
3: Because mental illness is brought up and like a alternative to what's going on. Do you think there's like a bit of fear of mental illness?
1: I've interpreted that as like, trying to establish like Indian identity in film. This is very much of that era of like, we don't believe actually, we don't believe in schizophrenia. It's actually a ghost. And that's how we view things. Like to me, it was not a masculine feminine binary. It was an Eastern Western diagnosis binary. And like, look how intuitive our women are. Without her, we wouldn't have known that this was possession. And it's like a very weird, I don't know what to make of it almost. I need to like sit with that. Yeah. I guess I kind of imposed a Western dichotomy because it, here it would be like, men are like,
2: science, you
1: can't believe in zodiacs. If I think about it, like for every issue, like my mom and grandma are going to go to an astrologer or like a psychic first before therapist. Like that's still true. So I don't, I don't want to tell them they're wrong for that. Like you can do both. It's hard because they're trying to like push this like, I mean, nowadays with like Hindu nationalism, if a movie came out like this now, I would easily like, point to it and say like that's some propaganda or that's like what have you but in a time when you don't have such like in control cultural hegemony it's a bit of a gray area of just like trying to like take back representation of your own culture and beliefs as opposed to like impose beliefs upon. because now India is in a way different position in the world than they were Then like in the nineties, it was just like, they were just on the come up. Like they were big in tech, big on whatever, big in the movies. And it was like the marking of that shift. Nowadays I view everything that comes out completely differently.
0: I think that like medicine in general took a a really big turn from how it used to be. I hate to quote for Colt. In his book, The Hospital, he talks about how like medicine went from being the person who came in your house and put herbs like on your wounds, like saw you regularly and tended to you, to being like you go to a hospital and someone, you wait in a room for like hours and someone comes and says, like, okay, you got this bye. And like that depersonalization of medicine, I think in a way is like very masculine, it feels masculine in a way. Everything is, like, very oversimplified, and there's, like, always an easy solution for stuff. And nowadays, especially, like, when you have so much, like, medical disparity around the world, and there's a lot of different countries that are having, like, a resurgence of women dying in labor, particularly the U.S. is having a overly really bad problem with Black maternal health. There's practical reasons of why women don't trust doctors or going to medical doctors. I mean, you can look at most medical textbooks and... Most of the, like, symptoms and diagnosis and stuff are built around male patients that they did the studies on. And furthermore than that, it's like most of the symptoms or even, like, on skin conditions are only, like, described on white skin. So there is, like, naturally distrust, especially among women and especially among women of color or of medical facilities. It's hard with, like, movies like this or movies in general of, like, when people are like, oh my gosh, like, it feels so, like mystify that women want to turn to like astrology or want to turn to a witch doctor or something because it's like, why would you want to go to the doctor where someone's going to say you're crazy or your baby's going to die or you're going to die. There's a lot of different factors nowadays, particularly that makes this film feel like more relevant.
3: Depending on the film, their depiction of it could either be feminist or it could still be like, I suppose, archaic in the way it presents women as batshit crazy, which they are. (laughs)
1: true
2: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to the Monstrous Feminine be sure to follow us on Instagram, Soundcloud and Spotify at the Monstrous Feminine podcast and on Twitter at the MonFemPod, subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok at the Monstrous Feminine pod, brooms up which
3: is out